Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. During our 2023 Lenten season, from February 22nd through April 9th, when we celebrate Easter, we are walking through a series called Good Enough, taking themes and blessings in worship from Kate Bowler's book of the same name. In this Lenten season, we resonate with Dr. Bowler's words when she says, ultimately, we can rest in the encouragement to strive for what is possible today while recognizing that though we are finite, the life in front of us can be beautiful. And who I believed God to be. I was working as a hospital chaplain intern as part of my schooling. As a hospital chaplain intern, I was invited to provide spiritual care to families and staff within the hospital that I was working at. During my time, especially in moments of crisis, one of the things that I saw over and over again was people hoping for God to show up in ways that God did not show up in. And when God didn't show up in these ways, in the heart of some of my conversations, I found that oftentimes families were looking for someone to blame. I remember a conversation with a patient's family member once, where he said, maybe my mom is so sick because I've sinned too much. Ouch. No, no, no. I had felt that before in the messages that I received in my Southern Baptist Church. The message is that all bad things in the world had to do with sin, and it might as well be my sin. For me, it made life painful with the feeling that I was bad, that everything about me was bad. But I think for some, it can be comforting. At least there's somewhere or something or someone to place the blame on. Although this person had stirred something up within me in that moment that I wasn't quite sure what to do with, somehow I responded... I wonder if God just loves you. It was moments and moments like these in my time as a hospital chaplain that I began to question how I had been taught to see who God was. If God was a healer, why didn't God show up to heal these people when their families so desperately prayed for it? But most of the time, my question was just, God, where the heck are you? I really wrestled with these ideas of who I was, taught God to be, and where I was expecting or was to expect God to show up. I remember once I was sitting on my parents' back porch on a break journaling, and I was finally able to admit the thing that I needed to admit but that I couldn't admit. God, we are in a mess, and it doesn't feel like it's all of our fault. Something about admitting that to God, confessing that to God, opened me up to wonder where God might actually be. What did I have left to hold on to at the end of the day? Where was God's presence being felt? For me, it was in those mysterious moments of connection with one another. And that maybe in those painful and beautiful and honest moments of connection, we were actually experiencing something of God with us. 
In our scripture today, we heard the end of the story, but just to give us a little context, where do we find ourselves? How did we begin? How did we get here? John 11 tells the story of the death of Lazarus, one of Jesus's close friends. At the beginning of the chapter, we hear that Lazarus is sick and his sisters have sent word to Jesus about it. Jesus responds to this by saying that this sickness will not end in death and that the glory of God will be seen through this. I can imagine Mary responding something like, okay, Jesus, but where are you? We need you. Jesus stays where he's at for a couple of days and then tells his disciples that he will go back to Judea, which his disciples warn against because the Jews had tried to stone him there a while back. Jesus tells them that he must go, that he must go to wake his friend Lazarus who has fallen asleep. When Jesus arrives in Judea, he finds Martha, who has come to meet him. Mary has stayed back. Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus then says to Martha that Lazarus will rise again, and that I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are. This is an important proclamation of who Jesus is within the text. Jesus then comes to Mary in the house. This is where our scripture begins for today. Mary falls at Jesus' feet when he arrives in deep pain and grief, saying, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And this is where we get back to our scripture. Mary falls at the feet of Jesus in her deep pain and her deep grief. She is agonized by the loss of her brother, struggling to make sense of things. And how does Jesus respond? He notices her pain. He takes a moment to pause and to be present and to see that Mary and that the other Jews with her are in deep grief over the death of Lazarus. Jesus is deeply moved in spirit and trouble. And Jesus weeps. Jesus could have gone straight to where Lazarus had been and said, okay, let's get this miracle business over with. Let me go ahead and get Lazarus up. But Jesus takes the time to go be with them, to notice them, to feel that. And they notice, and they say, see how Jesus loved him. And some doubt Jesus, saying, could he not, could he, the one who opened the blinds of the man, not kept this man from dying? And that's okay. Jesus is deeply moved nonetheless. Jesus then arrives at the tomb as they take him from the house and instructs them to roll away the stone. Jesus thanks the Father and speaks out, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. I wonder if you notice, though, that Lazarus is the one who walks out of the tomb. And the community is both the one who rolls away the stone and takes off the grave clothes. God is able to be God. Jesus speaks out those words. But both the individual and the community are invited to that active participation. There are a couple of points that I want to take a look at today as we close up here. The first is to name the fact that we see folks doubting Jesus in the story. But I wonder if doubt is such a bad thing. I wonder if we, when we surrender to letting God be God, there's no shame in doubting and there's no shame in grief especially when we face unbearably painful things. 
it's so painful for God not to show up in the ways that we had initially hoped that God would. And in that, God can be both our greatest comforter and the one we cry out to in pain or disappointment when the reality of this world feels like too much. God can hold it all. One of my favorite authors, Kelly Corgan, talks about this phrase, it's like this. She tells the story of how she went to a meditation class and she would flow in and out of peace. Some days she would be distracted. Some days she'd be burning mad, never able to find that perfect peace, sense of peace or zen. When she shared this with her meditation teacher, he responded, it's like that. It's like that. Life is just like that. There's no shame to be had or blame to be assigned. Kelly says, hearts don't idle. They swell and constrict and break and forgive and behold because it's like that having a heart. Lives don't last. They thrill and confound and circle and overflow and disappear because it's like that having a life. It's like that. Life is both deeply moving and deeply painful. We doubt because we hurt. We hurt because we feel. We love because we feel. It's a courageous act to stay open in this world. Another one of my favorite books is called When Breath Becomes Air. It's a biography by a neurosurgeon uh, where he gives an account of his life, uh, his cancer diagnosis, and ultimately his death. The book is wonderful and I highly recommend. But I'm always struck actually in the afterward when his wife is describing him. She says, his strength was defined by ambition and effort, but also by softness, the opposite of bitterness. Is that not Jesus? The one we see leading with softness in this story, and all the way to the very end when he cries out on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. To say, stop, to say soft in this world, to allow yourself the space to doubt, the space to question, the space to feel, that is a courageous act. The next point that I want to invite us into is where we see God inviting us to active participation. Jesus doesn't show up in the way that a lot of folks in our story wished he had. He's days late. He comes straight to the house. But he does show up, maybe in a way that no one would have expected. Jesus calls to Lazarus to come out, but notice that both Lazarus and the people are participants. That Lazarus is the one who takes the first step. So too the people are the ones rolling away the stone, and the community is who Jesus calls to help Lazarus remove his grave clothes. In the kingdom of God, we are called not to be God, but to actively participate in the reality that Jesus has already enacted. I'm reminded of a Mother Teresa quote that says, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which to look out Christ's compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands which he has blessed, used to bless the people now. How are we invited to actively participate in the reality that Jesus has already enacted? Rolling away stone, helping one another remove our grave clothes. As we discern this work, we are invited to remember that God is with us, we are loved, and that is enough. I'll end now with a blessing from Jan Richardson called Lazarus Blessing. Hear now this blessing. 
The secret of this blessing is that it is written on the back of what binds you. To read this blessing, you must take hold of the end of what confines you. Must begin to tug at the edge of what wraps you round. It may take long, and long for its length to fall away. For the words of this blessing to unwind in the folds about your feet. By then, you will no longer need them. By then, this blessing will have pressed itself into your waking flesh, will have passed into your bones, will have traveled every vein, until it comes to rest inside the chambers of your heart that beats to the rhythm of benediction and the cadence of release. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you uh, for this time together, God, uh, for this opportunity to see the love in one another. God, may your presence be with us always. Amen.